Hey there friends, thanks for clicking the button and being here with us today. Uh, we want to let you know there are lots of things that are happening at Christ Community Church all the time, mm -hmm. ongoing things, new events, groups, those kind of things. Head over to our website. You can click the coming up page or you can explore some groups and find right. ways to get connected. Uh, also like and subscribe. Uh, we would love to have more of our content coming into your feed, so make sure to do that. And we hope you enjoyed today's message. Christ community, really glad to be with you. Had a couple days spent in Arizona this past week where there was no snow, green grass. Man, that was nice. But uh, I'm glad to come back to, we were um, just doing some stuff with Compassion International, their uh, board of directors. And, and I was able to, I was invited to share a little bit about our partnership as a church with Compassion International and the things that God is doing through this church and, and our partnership with them. So that was super fun. And, uh, but it's really good to, to be back. Uh, we are in the midst of a, a very significant journey, um, an eight-week uh, season. In, in which we as a church have been focusing on this critical question, how can we grow in intimacy with God? How can we experience intimacy with God? This really is at the heart of our faith as Christians, as Christ followers, intimacy with God, relationship with God, but it's also at the heart of our DNA as a church. One of our core purposes um, as a church is what we call all things with Christ, which articulates our desire for every person here to cultivate an intimate relationship with Jesus. And so we as a church, we want to do all we can to help you, to help people experience that to experience a deepening intimacy with Jesus. And so in this series, we're focusing on five core spiritual practices that each one of us can build into our lives as a way to experience a deepening love relationship with Jesus. And in order to help us grow in these five core practices, each week we are providing three exercises that enable us to actually practice what we're learning. So you can find these exercises in the link provided. You can find them at our information area, or you can find more detailed content and the exercises in my book, The Intimate God, which you can purchase for $10 at the cafe, or you can get that on Amazon. Even if you are totally new this weekend, you can jump into this journey. Really, you can jump in um, just get a book and then start on chapter six, where we are today, and then you can go back and you can learn the other practices. So, so far in this journey, we, we've been growing together and experiencing the first three of these core spiritual practices that are foundational to intimacy with Jesus. I referred to them last week as a powerful spiritual trifecta. They really are that because they fit so well together and they provide a foundation for intimacy with God, the practice of stillness, the practice of prayer, and then the practice of scripture meditation, which we talked about last week. If you have been doing the exercises all along here, you are already building into your life those three core spiritual and foundational practices. You're building them into the rhythm of your life. So way to go, way to go, proud of you. All right, now let me remind us that the goal of these practices, these three practices we looked at, these spiritual practices, the goal of these practices is, 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 is not the practices themselves. <laughs> the goal is relational. The goal is intimacy with Jesus. So these practices are simply tools. They're simply tools to help us cultivate a deepening 
intimacy with Jesus. I love how author John Mark Comer um, articulates this. He writes this, the end goal of these practices is life to the full with Jesus. To spend every waking moment in the conscious enjoyment of Jesus' company. I love that. That's our goal. Life with Jesus. Every waking moment in this conscious enjoyment of Jesus' company. See, that's ultimately what intimacy with Jesus looks like. It's a continual experience of Jesus' presence. While the three spiritual practices we've learned so far provide a foundational connection with Jesus, the question then becomes, how can we broaden our experience with Jesus to become more uh, a part of our everyday life, to kind of permeate more moments of our lives? So we do so by embracing a fourth core spiritual practice, and that is practicing the presence of Jesus. In John 15, Jesus uses a very powerful analogy to describe what a normal Christian life looks like. Check this out. I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus says. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is such a simple and yet vivid analogy of how Jesus is inviting us to live our lives. It is a life of constant connection to him, a continual union with him. I mean, a branch doesn't connect with the vine for a few minutes and then go out and do its own thing, right? That that would not work. It would dry up. A branch's ability to bear fruit is completely dependent upon its continual connection to the vine. So this is the life that Jesus longs for you and me to experience. This really is the normal Christian life. Jesus urges us to continually remain, is the word he uses, remain or abide in him, continually staying connected to his presence, which sounds great. Many of us have heard that John 15, 5 verse Dozens of times, it sounds great. But the question is, how do we do this? How do we stay connected to Jesus in the midst of our everyday lives that are filled with working and running errands and shopping and cooking meals and doing homework and exercising and meeting with people and taking our car in for an oil change and going to the dentist and on and on and on. Seriously, I mean, how is this even possible in the midst of our everyday lives? Life is incredibly busy. And the bulk of our lives is doing things that honestly don't feel very spiritual, right? Things that don't feel very spiritual. Things that don't feel very connected to Jesus. So how do we grow in this John 15 experience? How do we grow in this experience of remaining in Jesus? Well, it ultimately boils down to one critical issue, awareness awareness. Seriously, that, that one thing, this is what makes the difference 
between us remaining in Christ or not. It's our awareness of him. So let me explain what I mean by that. We find a fascinating example of this truth in in the book of Genesis chapter 28, as Jacob is fleeing um, from his angry brother Esau. And we looked at this in early January, the start of the year. Um, So during the night, Jacob has this vivid dream of a stairway to heaven and he hears God give to him an amazing promise. And so when he wakes up from this experience, he has this thought, look at this. Surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. What a fascinating statement. Jacob acknowledges that God was in that place, but Jacob was not aware of it. See, this was not about God showing up. God was already there. This was about Jacob's awareness of God's presence. Jacob wasn't, he hadn't been tuning in to the God who was there. And isn't this so often how we live our lives? The Bible tells us that the presence of Jesus is with us wherever we go. The problem is we are not consciously aware of his presence. We're not tuning in to this reality. In other words, we're not really remaining in him. See, to remain in Christ has nothing to do with him. It has nothing to do with him. It's all on our end. He's available 24-7. He's available. He is with us. The key is our learning how to cultivate a life in which we are increasingly aware of Jesus' presence with us, no matter what we're doing. See, part of our struggle is that we tend to subconsciously, maybe consciously, but we, we tend to view the various activities of our life through a lens of either one of two categories. This is a spiritual activity or this is not a spiritual activity, right? This is spiritual, this is unspiritual. If we're in church like this, if we're listening to a worship song, if we're reading our Bible, that feels spiritual, right? That's in this category. But if we're washing our car or playing around to golf or getting a haircut or teaching math or you know, doing our rounds as a nurse or whatever, those things don't feel spiritual. But that's unfortunate. We put them in those categories because that's not the way Jesus wants us to view our lives. See, from from Jesus' perspective, all of life is spiritual. All of it. Every part of our lives, every activity we engage in, everything we do is spiritual because Jesus is with us in that. See, here's the point. What makes an experience spiritual is our awareness of Jesus in that space. That's, 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 That's what makes... Any mundane thing we do, anything we do, that's what makes it spiritual is our awareness of Jesus in that space. And so this means that no matter what we are doing, no matter what we are doing, we can experience that with Jesus as we intentionally cultivate this awareness of his presence with us. So how do we do that? Well, let's talk about some really practical ways that each one of us here can cultivate this in our life. So one of the most impactful examples of this kind of life was a, was a guy, a man named um, Brother Lawrence, who lived in the 17th century. He was not well-educated. He, he was not well-known. 
his life had been filled with suffering, lots of suffering. As a young man, he served as a soldier, but he was injured, seriously injured in battle. He later tried to be a footman, but he was too clumsy and awkward, so he kind of wasn't able to do that job. So at the, at the age of 55, the age of 55, he joined a monastery, and he spent his life at this monastery doing simple tasks of service, like washing dishes, washing clothing. He had no position of power or influence in the monastery. He wasn't head of anything. What he did possess, however, was a uniquely attractive relationship with Jesus. As people started asking him questions about his relationship with Jesus, he articulated his thoughts in some personal correspondence. And after his death, these letters were published and they became a spiritual classic read by and impacting millions and millions of people. So in these letters, Brother Lawrence described in practical detail how he lived this way, how he intentionally cultivated an awareness of Jesus' presence throughout his day. So one of the ways that Brother Lawrence cultivated this awareness of Jesus was through the practice of conversational prayer. Conversational prayer. He writes this, I have found that we can establish ourselves in a sense of the presence of God by continually talking to him. Conversational prayer. See, Brother Lawrence intentionally cultivated this conversational prayer life with God throughout his day. Whether he was walking somewhere or he was washing dishes, it didn't matter. His heart would be attuned to God's presence through prayer. Now, a very practical way to cultivate an abiding relationship with Jesus involves having an ongoing dialogue with him throughout our day. In in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul urges us to pray continually. That's a great verse to memorize because it's only two words long. And hey, you got it, okay? Pray continually. There you have it. But how do we pray continually? He's not talking about, you know, a life in which we're... 24-7 in our room, just praying on our knees all day. No, he's talking about a life in which we are in continual dialogue with Jesus about whatever is happening. When we're stuck on a problem at work, Jesus, help me here, right? When we're in the middle of a difficult conversation, when we're sitting at a stoplight, we can have a conversation with Jesus. We can have a conversation with him. See, that decision is a tangible way to, to, for our, to turn our awareness toward God in that moment and to remain in his presence. So whenever I'm going into a difficult meeting or I'm feeling stuck and preparing a sermon or I'm walking down a hospital hallway to visit someone battling cancer, I don't know what to say. Whenever I step on an airplane like I did yesterday flying back, I always just say a little prayer there. I touch the airplane, just blessing the pilot, all that stuff. I'm just, in those moments, I'm just, I'm praying. I'm praying continually. When I'm walking down a hospital you know, hallway to see someone who's struggling with something and I don't know what to say, man. I'm just, I'm praying, God, help me. Holy Spirit, give me words. Just bring your presence, bring your comfort here. I'm just looking to you. See, these little prayers, these little prayers 
become a tangible way for me to practice the presence of Jesus throughout my day. And, and, and I'm inviting him, literally inviting him into any and every situation. And this is, look, this is not a substitute for time alone with him. You know, some people want to build a life of intimacy with Jesus just on conversational prayer without the other three things we've talked about. No, that's not what we're talking about here. These, those practices of, of stillness and prayer and scripture meditation, those are crucial. They provide a foundation for us to then cultivate this intimacy, this awareness of God throughout our day. But we've built the foundation so that we can cultivate practicing the presence of Jesus anytime, anywhere. Now, one easy way to grow in conversational prayer is through a centuries-old practice known as simple prayer. Simple prayer. In simple prayer, we, we take a simple phrase from the Bible and we prayerfully repeat it a few times. We repeat it over and over again. And in doing so, it becomes a prayer that actually engages our heart. You can try this on your own. It's, it can be really powerful. The most historically well-known of these simple prayers is adapted from Luke chapter 18, where the, the, uh, the tax collector who is praying says, Lord Jesus Christ, or if this is adapted, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a simple prayer. Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, other scriptural simple prayers include, your kingdom come, your will be done. See, well, what makes a, a simple prayer so powerful is its accessibility. We can utilize it anytime, anywhere, in a waiting room, at a stoplight when shopping at the grocery store or walking our dog. Imagine as you're shopping at Target, you are whispering this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done. What might that do to your awareness of Jesus with you as well as your awareness of his heart towards the people around you that you're walking past it's a powerful, powerful, simple thing. Okay, so that's conversational prayer. In, in addition to conversational prayer, Brother Lawrence often talked about how throughout his day, he would turn his mind toward God and simply enjoy God's love for him. So I call this a delight pause. A delight pause. A delight pause occurs when we choose to stop in the, in the midst of our busy day and we take just a few moments, a few seconds even, to open our heart to the reality of God's love for us, his delight in us. As we talked about in week one, right? This was foundational in week one. Experiencing the Lord's delight in us is the foundation for a life with him, for intimacy with him. But rather than only practicing this in our devotional times with God, what if we stopped periodically throughout our day and we let our soul experience afresh God's delight in us? So when I take a delight pause, I sometimes will envision Jesus standing in front of me with a smile on his face and his arms open wide, just this look of love. Or um, I often will envision the father in the Luke 15 story, the prodigal son 
just greeting me with a smile on his face. Just takes a few seconds. And then I take that moment just to enjoy the Lord and to bask in his love for me. We can also take that moment to thank him for his goodness to us. We can savor the blessings he's given us in Christ. Savor, right? That, that's a word that we don't really use often enough, do we? To savor is to slow down and enjoy something. I mean, do you, do you ever stop and look at a sunset and in that moment utter a prayer of praise and thanksgiving to God? Do you ever stop and savor a moment with a friend or a great cup of coffee or sweet tea or whatever? Um, or, or you savor a compliment someone gave you about something. See, what if in those moments we slowed down to savor that cup of coffee, that compliment, this relationship, and we did it in the, in the Lord's presence, just enjoying this blessing and thanking him for it. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for this person. Thank you for this moment. See, these experiences of conversational prayer and delight pauses, they are practical ways to intentionally practice remaining in Jesus throughout our day. See, we're attuning our awareness to his presence in that moment. I mean, what would it look like to perhaps intentionally what would it look like to intentionally build into your life moments to do this? Maybe use technology for this purpose, okay? For instance, what if you put a notification on your phone or your watch that vibrates at 10 a.m. every morning and 3 p.m. every afternoon? And whenever that vibrates, that becomes a reminder for you to take a 15-second delight pause or to recite a simple prayer I mean, why not, I mean, we have enough technology, why not leverage technology to help us cultivate an awareness of Jesus' presence with us? Again, we need reminders like that, don't we? It can be helpful, otherwise we just get caught up in the business of life. But imagine, why not leverage technology? You create these moments throughout your day, imagine what would happen, imagine the peace and the joy that would bring into those everyday moments. Okay, now there's one other God-given opportunity that happens to us multiple times a day in addition to conversational prayer, right? Delight pauses. There's another practice I want to talk about, an aspect of this I want to talk about. And this particular thing happens to us multiple times a day, every one of us, multiple times a day. And it provides a tangible access point for us to experience Jesus more deeply in that moment. And that access point is our emotions, our heart. Our emotions are a God-given way to experience Jesus more deeply. Now, unfortunately, the message that we often hear, especially in Christian circles, is that negative emotions are bad 
and they need to be replaced, right? They need to be ignored. They need to be resisted. They need to be replaced. You shouldn't feel angry. You shouldn't feel hurt. You shouldn't feel discouraged. You just need to replace that with the joy of the Lord, right? Now, look, while I do agree that joy is something that we can cultivate, I also have found that our negative emotions are often beautiful opportunities to experience Jesus more deeply. If, and here's the crucial if, if we choose to explore our emotions rather than ignore our emotions. Now, we've already been wading into this reality through the practice of stillness, right? In stillness, we learned this the second week, we are able to slow down, we tune into our hearts, and we're answering this question, where am I, right? We're just paying attention to the parts of us that are around the table right then. So as we tune into our hearts, we're then able to welcome the presence of Jesus into that place. That's what stillness, a part of stillness. What we're talking about here is taking that practice that's a part of stillness and, and uh, bringing it on the road, <laughs> so to speak, right? And applying that same principle, but applying it throughout our day in the middle of any real-time emotions that we're experiencing. So we, this is so cool. We see this on display in the first few pages of the Bible. I'm not kidding. We actually see this very thing on display. In Genesis chapter four, Cain is ticked off because God accepted his brother's Abel's sacrifice, but not his. And so it, this is the first example of anger, of a negative emotion that we see here in the Bible. First example of anger we see in the Bible. And what's fascinating in this passage is how God approaches Cain in his anger. God doesn't say, stop it. Cain, let it go, resist it. He doesn't say that. Instead, God asks Cain a question. Look at what he asks him. Why are you angry? God wants Cain to explore his anger. See, his anger is actually an opportunity to look into his heart and to welcome the truth and the presence of God into that place. I find this so amazing. In this passage, we see one of humanity's first post-fall interactions with God, and God quite naturally assumes the posture of a wonderful counselor. God is urging Cain to see his emotions as an opportunity to experience God more deeply. See, what if, this is so fascinating to me, what if any time we experience a negative emotion throughout our day, again, multiple times this happens, what if any time we experience a negative emotion, we paused to ask ourselves the same question, why am I feeling this? Why am I feeling angry? Why am I feeling hurt by what that person said? Why am I feeling afraid? And then we let Jesus speak to us in that place. See, it's like our emotions become this real-time access point to experience the presence of Jesus. As we're growing in our connection to our heart through the practice of stillness, we will be more aware of our heart throughout our day, which is a really important thing. The, those emotions that we're now tuning into through the practice of stillness, we're cultivating that. Those emotions that we're now are more accessible to, we're tuning into, those are touch points. Every one of them is a touch point to be more aware 
of Jesus' presence with us. For example, let's talk about um, how this might work for something like anxiety. So as someone who, who years ago experienced some anxiety attacks, I know from personal experience how anxiety starts with one thought and then it just feeds on itself and becomes that one anxious thought can trigger another thought. Oh no, it's happening again. And what's going to happen to my, you know, all that stuff. And it just, it can lead to just this downward spiral very quickly. We find ourselves in this downward spiral. So one thing that I found helpful when I have that first anxious thought is to not try to fight it. Don't fight the thought. What I found helpful is rather acknowledge it. Okay, I'm feeling anxious. And to see it as an opportunity to lean into Jesus in that place, to stop and ask Jesus, okay, why am I feeling anxious? Where is this pressure, this nervousness coming from? A pastor friend of mine um, was a chaplain for a, a while, and he found himself early on in his chaplaincy when he just started his job. He had to go into these emergency rooms where they're grieving people, someone had just died, all these just horrible things. And he found himself feeling this anxiety come on him before he would enter into a room with grieving people. And as he stopped to reflect on this, why am I feeling anxious? He stopped to ask, why am I feeling anxious? He realized that he gets anxious in any situation when he doesn't know what to do because he spent most of his childhood feeling stupid. Spent most of his childhood feeling stupid. So that was being triggered whenever he would go into a room. I don't know what to do. He would feel this shame of being stupid. So because he was willing to explore his anxiety rather than just fight it, he explored it. That became an access point for him to become aware of Jesus' presence and to remember where his security ultimately lies. It's not in what other people think of him. It's not at all in that. It's in the love of Jesus for him. That's his true identity. So, so by him stopping to evaluate what was happening in his heart, he was able to remind himself that what these people think of me doesn't matter. It's what Jesus thinks of me. He's invite, welcoming Jesus into that place. It becomes this access point to Jesus. Do you, do you see how stopping to explore a negative emotion, rather than trying to ignore it, stopping to explore it actually opens a door, a beautiful door for us to experience life with Jesus, with him, to allow his love to fill our hearts when we're feeling anxious or angry or insecure or sad. And what I love about this is that it fosters, this is so huge, it fosters a compassionate approach toward ourselves and our negative emotions rather than a combative, shame-filled resistance. Stop doing that. You shouldn't feel that way. You're a Christian. Blah, blah. It, it just, no, we're not. We're, it, 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 it's a completely different paradigm. We move with compassion towards these parts of us. See, every negative emotion we experience becomes a place to practice the presence of Jesus. Every negative emotion becomes a place, an access point to practice the presence of Jesus. And in doing so, what happens is we just become a healthier, more wholehearted person rather than a compartmentalized person. We become a wholehearted person. 
Now, while this idea of exploring a negative emotion, some of you may be like, I've never heard this before or whatever, and, and it may be counterintuitive, may even be difficult for some Christians because it feels so new or whatever, it is rooted in Scripture. I'm telling you, this is rooted in Scripture. This is the way the Hebrews, the, the Jewish people, experience life with God. They experience Him with their whole hearts, even the negative parts. Check out the brutal honesty of the psalmist in Psalm 42. Look at this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. But now that's not happening anymore, he's saying. This guy is, look, he is not ignoring his negative emotions. He's not faking it. He's not faking positivity because Christians are supposed to be happy. No, he is very present to his negative emotions. He's present to his sadness. He's present to his grief. He's present to his disillusionment, his heartache, his anger, his disappointment, but he doesn't stop there. He's present to it, but he doesn't stop there. Look at the next verse. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? What is he doing? He's exploring his emotions, not ignoring his emotions. He's exploring his emotions. He is compassionately exploring his own soul, welcoming the wisdom and the presence of God into this place of discouragement and hurt and frustration. And in that place, this is so cool, his heart receives a fresh truth from God. Look at the rest of verse five and following. Here's the answer. Why my soul, you're so downcast. Here it is. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. He is reminded of the Lord's love being poured out upon him day and night. And I am so glad, I'm so glad the psalmist didn't try to resist his heart or tie a neat little bow on his emotions or whatever or ignore his heart. No, he provided a beautiful example for us of what can happen when we take the time to explore our negative emotions. We experience Jesus in that place. I mean, think of all the opportunities you and I have throughout a typical day to practice the presence of Jesus through conversational prayer, through delight, pauses, and through moments where we stop to explore the negative emotions we're experiencing. See, friends, the more intentional we become with this practice, the more we will experience Jesus in the everyday stuff of life, in those unspiritual places. We used to call them unspiritual. They're not unspiritual. They are spiritual when we are welcoming the presence of Jesus to be with us in that space. And we're aware of his presence with us. Suddenly, ordinary moments become deeply spiritual because we're aware 
We're aware of Jesus' presence with us. Remember, we already, he's with us. Yes, we know that. But now we're cultivating an awareness of his presence with us. So this week in the three exercises, you're going to be practicing stillness, prayer, and scripture. And then you're going to be given a specific task to utilize that day to practice the presence of Jesus. The operative word there is practice, right? This is a beautiful opportunity to cultivate a deepening life with Jesus, walking with him throughout your day. So I encourage us, all of us, to practice the presence of Jesus, to intentionally build into your everyday life moments of awareness of him. You Look, you will find your intimacy with him will grow and your joy in him will deepen. All right, let's, let's stand. If you're able to stand, please stand. And we're going to take a few moments right now. We're going to practice. We do this every week, create space for stillness, but we're just going to, we're going to practice exactly what we were talking about. We're going to cultivate an awareness of the Lord's presence with us. So I encourage you to close your eyes. I'm going to say a prayer here in a moment, a centuries old prayer. Come Holy Spirit. Uh, Believers have been saying this prayer for centuries and this is just an opportunity to quiet our hearts and to tune our awareness to the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus. And so I'm gonna pray that in just a moment and I just invite you, tune in, just let your heart, your body be aware of Jesus' presence with you. Maybe enter into a delight pause and let him delight in you. Maybe there's a particular emotion, a negative emotion that you are carrying right now. What would it look like to acknowledge that emotion? Don't fight it, to acknowledge it in the presence of Jesus. And so let's enter into this space We're going to just cultivate an awareness of him. So Holy Spirit, come. Spirit of God, breathe on us. 
Make us more aware of your presence, God. God, we want to live in a greater awareness of your presence. Thank you that we can do this at any moment, in, in the middle of a day, in the middle of a night. We can just stop. We can pause and remind our soul, you're here. You're here delighting in us. You're here loving on us. You're here pouring truth and wisdom. You're here. And we're so grateful. We love you, God. We love you. We welcome you to continue to move in our midst. As we were praying before the service, someone had a picture of just people coming in here, just kind of with a fog in a fog. And, and as we were praying, we just had this sense that the Holy Spirit is, is just wanting to come and breathe, just to breathe the wind of the presence of God to bring clarity, to bring hope, just to bring his presence in these places where maybe we feel confusion and a lack of clarity or whatever. So God, we're just welcoming you to do that as we worship. Stirring us a hunger, stirring us an openness to all that you wanna do. And let me just say, as we are entering into the space to worship the Lord, if you feel like the Lord is stirring your heart in some way, or there's just a longing for more of him, or maybe you feel kind of in a fog or something, you just want someone to pray over you and just bless what God's doing and the, the wind of the spirit upon you, just come up front here, just, just stand up here for a moment. We have a full prayer team and they'd love to just come alongside and bless what God's doing. And they'll share with you if they sense any word, any prophetic word, they'll share that. You can test that. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit, continue to come and move in this place. We, we wanna be aware of your presence with us. Thank you that you're here. Heighten our awareness of you. Thank you, Lord. So friends, wherever you are coming out of this message, we just want you to know that you do not have to journey alone. We have a chat button on our website at the very bottom. You can click that and there is someone on the other side that would love to chat with you, to pray with you, to get you connected, however you need to be. Um, we just want you to know you do not have to walk alone and we would love and be honored to walk alongside of you. Uh, we hope you have a great rest of your week. Bye.